We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Trades, comma, trades, comma, trades, comma, parentheses. And no, ellipses, ellipses, ellipses. Yeah, there we go. Some grammar from Jack to start the show. Obviously, part two of our trade show that we were doing. Obviously, some great proposals from you guys. But as always, you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms. Jack, let's kick things off with more trades. Before we get to the trades, Nick, I probably should have said rumors, rumor. <laughs> to start the the podcast because we have obviously team usa and the olympics uh, are rapidly approaching and the news that we have heard is that kevin durant and kevin love the two kevins are going to be rooming together at olympic training camp and that the nets are apparently a kevin love destination of choice when you heard this when you saw this what were your immediate thoughts yeah, I'm not super surprised. I mean, I think I looked at the trade and the initial thought is, you know, I'd take Kevin Love on a buyout. You know, I don't I don't think the Nets should trade anything for him. He hasn't really proven that he can still perform at a high level. Obviously, the situation has had an impact. We've seen what's happened with Blake Griffin, him coming here. I think Kevin Love's game's a little bit different, and I think there are some areas where maybe he could help, but it would also be, you know, I think a bench role for him. So, hey, Kevin Love wants to come here, come off the bench, give the Nets another very good basketball player with some high basketball IQ with some skill, some rebounding. Obviously, defense isn't great. I think you're open in the idea. You know what I mean? It's it's an upgrade right there and just gives you another option to have in the bench. If you do get into a situation where your stars go down, this is a guy that could step up and still give you, you know, 20 points in a game. He's just not somebody you want to consistently count on to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's about making the comparison point to some other buyout candidates, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, Andre yep. Drummond, Blake Griffin. You know, is Kev, what is Kevin Love going to want to leave on the table to join a contending team? Because it seems likely that that will happen at some point in time. How early, how late that will be will remains to be seen. In terms of his game, you know, I, I think that he is probably the worst fit out of the guys that we've sort of seen of late because he doesn't have the defensive chops that even Blake Griffin does. Yeah. Now, again, even Marcus Aldridge, to be honest. And, and, yeah, exactly. Even LaMarcus Aldridge. And I was surprised by both of their defensive acumen in their short time that they've been Brooklyn Nets. But Kevin Love is also an incredible rebounder. 
And that's yep. one area where the Nets have struggled a little bit. So maybe there are some funky lineups where you get Kevin Love and Nicholas Claxton out there at the same time, or you know, you, you get a little bit weird with it. You have KD and, and Kevin Durant. Uh, KD and Kevin Love, sorry. There's a lot of Kevins. It's uh, it's muddling my mind a little bit. So look, ultimately, you know, you just get the talent and you, you figure the rest of it out. But, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I've always, I've, I've become an even bigger fan of Kevin Love uh, as he has aged into this league and his advocacy for mental health has been uh, pretty goddamn awesome. Uh, he's been a big part of, you know, the, the, the turning tide in the NBA alongside DeMar DeRozan and some other players in that respect. So uh, I'm a big Kevin Love fan, especially off the court. And, you know, I think you provide the Nets something on the court too. So I think we might be chatting about this rumor uh, again in a couple of weeks, couple of months as well, Nick. Yeah, I definitely think it's a real possibility. Like you said, you know, the defense is what concerns you. He's not a guy that could close a game, but he's a guy that could give you some offensive pop off the bench with that floor spacing. You know, more of a true three-point shooter, a guy that's been shooting threes for a while now where Blake's kind of added that later in his career. I would say K-Love's a little bit more consistent from there and kind of is more of a threat to the defense. And like you mentioned, Jack, the defense. I mean, the rebounding is, you know, an area where he's been very, very good at different points in his career. Also, solid passing, can set some good screens, too. So it's definitely a possibility and a guy that would be really solid to have off the bench. I don't think you look at anything more than that, though. And I wouldn't really trade any assets for him because I just I'm not really sure what he can do. There's a chance that he really, you know, just isn't the same guy and has lost some of that athleticism that he really didn't have a ton of. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's it at the end of the day. You know, a buyout is seems to be the most likely route of things. But let's now get into the trades, Nick, and we've got a, a game buster to kick things off. We have Tim at Sixers Player. He says, okay, I've got one that will never happen, but tell me what you think. I think it makes both teams better. Ben Simmons for Kyrie Irving. Maybe there's some picks around it too, but that's the crux of the trade. Addresses glaring needs for both teams. Before I guess you give your thoughts on the trade, Nick, do you believe that this trade would make both teams better? Uh, I mean, I think it would help both teams in areas where they struggle. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, Kyrie would be the perfect fit, I think, next to Joel Embiid. Just a guy that can go create a shot, run, pick and roll with him, do whatever. So I think Kyrie would definitely be an upgrade for them. And then, obviously, Ben Simmons fits that defensive player, that perimeter of player, that versatile guy that can change your defense alone. Also a good rebounder. I think Kyrie Irving is, you know, the better player. And I think if you're going to a playoff series and we saw this happen last year, you'd probably rather have Kyrie because if Harden does go down now, you can still win, you know, series. You could still possibly win the finals. You know, I think a lot of us when Harden went down were concerned. But then after seeing the first two games of the series against the Bucks, you're like, all right, Kai and KD are enough to win it all. And I think that's why you wouldn't trade Kyrie Irving for Ben Simmons. Yeah, I've seen this brought up by some dumb national media outlet. I'm not calling Tim one of those because he certainly isn't. I, I do think that there is value to both teams. Now, I think the, the greater value is on in modern NBA is offense. And yeah. Bob Ben Simmons has some offensive chops, is an incredible passer, is a, is a menace in the open court, um, is an Australian. Um, <laughs> but in all honesty, like you said, Nick, you know, Kyrie Irving is an all-NBA player. He had a 50-40-90 season, and that seems to just be forgotten by a lot of people. It's almost going to be forgotten in the in history books, except for by Nets fans, and Kyrie Irving stands out there. So I think that if, you know, you throw in maybe a George Hill, a first, or a Maxi, or a Fiebel, or something in there. It does, I think, provide more value, and it makes you think a little bit more. Because Kyrie Irving, I, I think Kyrie Irving has his injury issues as well. You know, Ben yep. Simmons is young, and, you know, we've sort of talked about, you know, bridging the gap between the sort of 
the next era of Brooklyn Nets basketball. So I think that there's, you look at, you know, Ben Simmons' general health history has been okay, but not great of late. Um, also, the fact that, you know, he's hanging out at Wimbledon with, uh, for all the UK listeners out there, with Maya Jammer. Uh, she's a, a lovely woman, a really talented woman in herself. And, you know, Ben Simmons should be at uh, in Tokyo right now. And I'm still, I'm going to take that to my grave, Nick. I don't think Ben Simmons is ever going to play a game for the Boomers. And I'm just going to not refer to him as an Australian ever again. I'll just stick with Andrew Bogut and Joe Ingles, I guess. But in terms of, the, I guess, this trade overall, I don't see it happening. I think that the Nets could probably do better. Um, and I don't think do better means, you know, Josh Hart and JJ Redick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I don't think it's a very realistic that the Nets tra- trade Kyrie Irving. You know, I don't think if the Nets maybe had a failure this season, this upcoming season, and they didn't win a chip this upcoming year, then maybe it's something to consider in the upcoming offseason. But I think Kyrie has a player option anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So, you know, I think this is a trade that makes sense in 2K, but in real life, no. You know what I mean? This is something that maybe would happen along those lines. And like you said, Philly would have to spice it up. But again, Sean Marks and Daryl Morey making a trade when they're both contenders, it just doesn't really make sense. I mean, it makes sense if you're Matt Sullivan. Um, <laughs> that, Matt's, all, Matt's all around this. But you know, that dude has just been on every single platform. I, I don't understand why he's getting the airtime that he gets. But that's a discussion for another day. For Matty Boy, uh, a, a discussion I would rather have, Nick, is about this ki- this uh, trade proposal from Gabriel uh, Morial at Gabe Morial. I hope I'm saying that right, mate. If not, uh, I apologize. Uh, he proposes the 27th pick or two seconds, which I think is 44 and 59 or something around that range, for Kenrich Kenny Hustle Williams. Good switchable defensive forward, good passer with a questionable three-point shot. Has some similarities to Bruce Brown. Nets need another defensive forward. OKC does it because they are horny for picks. I certainly agree with that final sentiment. What do you think your thoughts, Nick, on Kenny Hustle? You know, if you're trading seconds for a player and you think that he can have an impact, I'm not going to say I know his game really well. I'm not sure how good the defense is. I know his three-point shooting is solid. You know, he shot 44% this year, but only 1.8 attempts. Um, I mean, I think this is something that, you know, you consider, you know, a second round pick, you could trade it for a player, possibly give you something. I'm not sure he really warrants a first. You know what I mean? I think you'd rather hold on to that for a player that's a little bit more proven, especially in a winning situation in which he hasn't been in. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think Bruce Brown's credentials were far more on display in Detroit than probably Kenrich, Kenrich Williams were in uh, New Orleans uh, and in uh, OKC. So I think that, you know, you're not going to get a, a massive steal the likes of, you know, Jeanne Moussa and a, and a second for Bruce Brown. Look, Sean Marks might strike gold twice and maybe Kenrich Williams is that dude that we just don't know and he needs to be uh, in yep. Brooklyn to showcase his, his skills even more. So I don't think he's that great of a defender. I think he's yeah. good enough. Um, I think the Nets could, will probably look more so to someone with maybe some uh, uh, Trevor Ariza type. More I think experience. they'll probably prefer the experience and the veteran out. Yeah. So look, I don't hate it because I think that the Nets need proven rotation players. So I like the way Gabe's thinking in terms of let's try and find some diamonds in the rough here because and it's realistic. Look at, it is. It is realistic. And you, you look at what the Nets have done, you know, Tyler Johnson, Bruce Brown, you look at other teams in the finals right now, you know, Bobby Portis campaign. You need a couple of filler guys that can contribute. And 
you know, is Bruce Brown going to be long for Brooklyn? Is he going to get a, a big payday for, from elsewhere, despite the fact that he's restricted, obviously? So I think that Sean Marks is going to continue to try and find those diamonds and, and see what's lurking around in the uh, the rest of the NBA, Western Conference, Eastern Conference. And I think that we might see another one, whether that's Kenrich Williams. Um, you know, who knows? But, you know, maybe I, I do like what he can provide. And I think that, you know, the Nets, you know, the energy guy sort of, a prototype of player has always worked kind of well in Brooklyn. You know, Rodion's crooks in seasons past, Bruce Brown sort of this season. Um, I, I think that, you know, it, it is something that, you know, the Nets could look to sort of scout and sort of see where they can f- find some value where other teams don't think that they have that value. Yeah, 100%, Jack. I think it's, you know, a role player that knows they're a role player. You know what I mean? And then in a situation where role players can kind of be the best versions of themselves are along playing with superstars. So I think it's definitely something that's on the table. I just would think, you know, Nets probably don't have to give up a ton to get them, depending on what OKC thinks about them and what the rest of the league thinks about them. Yeah, that's it, Nick. Now, um, we d- touched on a, a plethora of sign-and-trade proposals for uh, Spencer Dimity last week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Nick, we've got D-Row here, and essentially he's sort of boiling it down to, you know, he doesn't he's not a big fan of Joe Harris proposals that we've gotten and such, but he just essentially asks Clippers for a Barker or Morris. To sort of boil it down to, we've had the conversation pretty in-depth, but if you get to pick, it's a Barker or Morris in a sign-and-trade uh, to the Clippers, who's your pick? 
I think you would go with Morris at this point because I think there's some real concern about Ibaka's back and him staying healthy and he looked a little bit, you know, lesser version of himself on the Clippers. I'm not sure how good he really can be, especially in terms of what the Nets ask out of their bigs. And Marcus Morris obviously is a better player at this point in time and still fills a need for the Nets. So that's what I'd probably roll with here. I would agree. Um, I, I think Marcus Morris at small ball five as well fits the sort of that small ball scheme style of things. I think Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash would love that. I don't think you want to stretch it a little bit. And, you know, if the Nets were to lose Jeff Green, I think Marcus Morris is a, yep. a really uh, an upgrade in, in a lot of senses of the word. You know, I think he's trustworthy. I I, I think he's got a, a relationship with Kyrie Irving as well uh, back in the Boston days. I think that he's got this... You know, the Nets, Nets fans have always wanted this, you know, tough guy sort of mentality sort of do this gritty sort of a-hole for, for lack of a better yep. term. Marcus Morris gives you that a little bit as well. Uh, and he is also, uh, I think, a really underrated, skilled basketballer in terms of shot creation. I, I, I think he's got a lot of value there um, as a shot creator. And, you know, whether it's a, a fourth or fifth guy out there in the lineups, uh, I think Marcus Morris, I think that the Clippers are going to be wanting to retain him in uh, in some sense of the word. So to make the argument, I guess, for Serge Ibaka is that, you know, he was strongly rumoured to join the Brooklyn Nets in the last postseason. And, and he obviously did choose to, to head to Clipperland. And, you know, obviously the injury issues are what, are what plagued him. And, and maybe Clippers, the Clippers go down a different route if he is healthy uh, in this postseason, let alone if Kawhi Leonard is healthy. So I think Serge, obviously, you know, he has the history with Katie, he has the history with James Harden. So there obviously is a, an embedded chemistry there. I think Serge has probably lost a little bit. Um, and I think this back injury is troublesome. Uh, I think any sort of back injury uh, when you are you know, heading into your late 20s, early 30s um, is going to be not necessarily debilitating, but have an effect on, you know, the, and maybe this offseason he proves me wrong. And I'd be more than happy to be proven wrong, but I am worried about that. But the prototype, the, the best version of Serge Barker is exactly what the Nets need. Yep. And I, I'm not just sure even if he the back is an issue that he's that player still anymore, you know, going to be 32, played a ton of basketball. Always that question if he was a little bit older than what his you know, birth certificate said. That was like a rumor for a while for him. So, um, you know, I, Serge would probably be a more likely candidate, like you said, because I think they'd want to retain Marcus Morris. But who knows? They could get a little creative over there, too. I think it's a solid trade and one that has a real possibility of happening. Now, one that's I'm not sure the possibility of, but love the research, love the the detailed nature of it. Don't know how to attack it, so I'm just going to go one step at a time. Now, there are a couple of teams involved in this. There is the Brooklyn Nets, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Dallas Mavericks. Looking at from the Brooklyn Nets side of things, uh, this is, by the way, from uh, no cap on Twitter, um, at BKLY, and about one, two, about eight ends in there, Brooklyn. Um, this is a, an incredible, incredibly detailed trade. The Brooklyn Nets receive Chris Porzingis. They get JJ Redick in the sign and trade. Jeff Green's re-signs. Um, Blake Griffin's re-signed. DeMar Rosen uh, is acquired in a sign and trade. We sort of, sort of spoke about that on the last episode. Uh, and Bruce Brown uh, is re-signed as well. Nick, do I go further and sort of talk about the other teams, or do you want to focus on the net side of things first? Yeah, we could focus on that side of things first. Um, just right off the bat, it's probably not realistic because you're taking a sign and trade to DeMar DeRozan here. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. So the Nets getting under the hard cap is close to impossible at this point. I'm not really sure how they got the number for Blake Griffin either in this trade to get three years, 30 million. I don't know if that's a plausible thing that maybe I'm missing, but I don't think that's realistic. But 
other than that, if the Nets were able to acquire, you know, Kristaps Porzingis, I think he'd be a great fit if he could stay healthy. Obviously, you want to bring Jeff Green and Blake Griffin back and Bruce Brown. J.J. Reddick's a solid vet at the end of your bench. Uh, DeMar DeRozan gives you, you know, a six-man type guy. Obviously, spacing's not amazing there. So I think from the Nets' perspective, you know, it's a very good trade in what they're getting in. I'm not sure it's very realistic, though. Yeah, I guess to focus on the, the J.J. Redick and, and Chris Atzpozinga side of things, you know, J.J. Redick, I think, has been highly rumored to be going to Brooklyn in some form or another. Yeah, he... Now, whether that's in a, you know, a, a vet minimum signing, maybe the, the sign-in trade here for the proposal works due to the large amounts of, of money that are being sort of dealt a, a, across the, a number of teams. But I think we probably, we, we expected it last season, we expected it, you know, before he went to Dallas, you know, it was highly, highly rumored that he would be heading to Brooklyn rather than Dallas due to, you know, obviously his desires with the New Orleans front office due to the fact that he, he's currently living there with his, his wife and his family. So whether we see J.J. Redick in a Brooklyn Nets uniform in this offseason, well, I certainly wouldn't be surprised. Now, the Chris Aspozinga side of things intrigues me because... I've always been a little bit higher on Chris Apps. Now, the personality off the court thing, I'm, I'm not really. I think he's a bit of a douche, to be honest. Yeah. But the best version of Chris Apps, Paul Zingas, you know, you're looking at, I remember writing stuff about him with OTG, reading stuff about him on like the Ringer and such, where, you know, his prime New York days, he was an MVP contender. Yep. You know, that those 48 games with the New York Knicks in 2017-18, you know, nearly 23 points a game, nearly seven rebounds a game, over two blocks, 2.4 blocks. That's the thing that intrigues me the most about Chris Stapps in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Can you revitalize him and get him as the rim protector that you know and you want? And you also get the three-point shooting, get a little bit of the shot creation. Obviously, I think him, him out on an island would be horrific, but I think all of the offensive upside and talent that he does have more than makes up for it. And he could play his own you know, individual drop scheme. And if you've got KD, Jeff Green, and all these other guys out there, um, you've got enough versatility there defensively to sort of cover his weaknesses. I think that Kristaps Porzingis, you know, he's, he's cooked the Brooklyn Nets even in his time as a, as a Dallas Maverick just due to the sheer size of the man. Now, I think we know the history of dudes who are above 7'2 in this league generally aren't necessarily going to have long and fruitful careers in terms of, you know, they're going to be 10, 15-year vets. You know, Yao Ming, you know, we're looking at what's happened with Joel Embiid. You know, Shaquille O'Neal's had his, his issues here and there, but he's not, you know, a behemoth. You know, a unicorn, as Kevin Durant called him. Kevin Durant likes unicorns. You know, he, he named Chris Aspazingas yep. this unicorn at the same time. So, look... There is a. I think Chris Aspazingas could be dealt to a team. Is it the Brooklyn Nets? Probably not, but I certainly am intrigued by the fit. Yeah, I think if you look at this trade and kind of separate things and just look at it from a Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, a, a first round pick in two seconds to Dallas for Chris Aspazingas, then I think you're looking at something that is probably plausible. I'm not even sure if you have to include the first round pick because. You know, Porzingis' value is not super high at this point. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, obviously, his value is coming off an injury, but I think he's still kind of a guy you feel more comfortable with. Joe Harris had the playoff struggles, but Dallas could really use a shooter like that. So, I mean, it's something on the table. Like you said, though, the defense with Porzingis has really fallen off a cliff. Like it, with that last season, like you mentioned with the Knicks, the blocking, even the switchability when he was in New York wasn't bad. Recovering from that torn ACL and then the torn meniscus, it feels like he's just lacking some of that lateral pop. 
maybe that's something that could come back to him and he could be, you know, a, a good defensive player, at least solid. And then offensively, obviously, there's a lot of skill to his game, three-point shooting, ability to kind of throw down some dunks, not necessarily the most physical player, but on the Nets, they don't necessarily need him to be that guy. Uh, I'd be intrigued by it. I was high on Porzingis, obviously, the last couple of years for him. I've been a disappointment not staying on the floor, but definitely a name on the table that could provide something different. I think the real intrigue, the real question with him is like, could you close with him because how bad of his defense is? You know what I mean? That's where he needs to be better. And that's where it's like, I don't know if you want to add that guy to your team. True. Very, very true. And you know, you look at the sort of medical side of things and if there is a, a medical team that can get him right, you know, the Brooklyn Nets have, have, have not, it, it obviously isn't all the Brooklyn Nets medical side of things. I'm sure Kevin Durant has his own camp um, with that too, but Kevin Durant coming back from an Achilles injury and turning in, not turning into going back to being the best player in the world says something. And, you know, maybe, you know, given the dysfunctional nature of the Dallas Mavericks franchise and, you know, maybe, you know, people in his personal camp and the relationship, you know, with, with Luka Doncic that is, you know, rocky to say the least. I guess the general crux of this thing, if we take out DeMar DeRozan from this deal and you sort of allude to it, it's Joe Harris, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, and, and picks of some sort going one way or another, maybe a Reggie Perry and such. Does that intrigue you as a, a foundation of a deal to get a Chris Stapps or to get someone else on the market? Yeah, I think that intrigues you. I think, you know, obviously Joe Harris is the most tradable thing on the Nets right now in terms of likelihood of being traded. Spencer didn't want to even sign and trade, possibility. And then you include a first-round pick, second-round picks, whatever you need to add in there too. I think that's probably one of the best packages you could put out. If it was a next-level player or a tier higher, you know, you're looking at probably an all-star-level player, you think about adding Nick Claxton. So other than that, you know, that's probably the best the Nets can throw out there without trading any of their big three and without going deeper into their draft picks into the future. Yeah, I guess it's about, you know, do people look at what Joe Harris did in, in the playoffs says and be like, you know what, you know, this isn't really that great of an asset and, and sort of look at, you know, what I ben think he's Simmons... more intriguing to the team that's not a contender, Jack, like a team that's looking maybe for a second round exit, you know, like uh, a la Indiana Pacers or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. And, and I think that that's something where Joe Harris, I think, will have a lot of value in. For the record, the Spurs get DeAndre Jordan and, and a couple of picks, which I think a lot of Nets fans will be happy getting rid of DJ. And I, and I think that Spencer Dinwiddie's fit in Dallas, to me, is probably the best basketball fit. I'm not sure if I said this in the last episode. Obviously, there are, are, are strong rumors of Lakerland and Clipperland and him wanting to go home to, to Los Angeles. But in terms of the, the pure on-court fit, him alongside Luka Doncic, I've said a million times, I think is truly ideal. And I think that his skills would be maximized uh, in, a, in a great extent there. So, look, I'm, I'm intrigued by Chris Stapps and, you know, maybe... Obviously, I don't think this is the crux of a deal you could get for Ben Simmons, but, you know, I, I think Daryl Morey's a little bit smarter than that. But, you know, you could swindle a, a Nico Harrison or whatever the hell the, the Nike dude's uh, name is uh, as well. Dallas, yep. in, in Dallas, So, you know, Sean Marks has been known to do that. You know, Troy Weaver in his, I think it was his first offseason, you know, getting Bruce Brown for, for chump change. You know, uh, Sean Marks doesn't really have, I, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a couple of relationships he does have, you know, obviously Trajan Langdon and, and the front office there in New Orleans. But, he probably doesn't have many friends, you know, in Miami and, uh, and in Washington and other places as well. But, yeah, I, there's something – it feels like there could be something brewing. I'm not saying that any of the trades or proposals that we've brought up on this podcast have happened, but I think that they're the foundations of them that our listeners have brought to us, um, you know, in terms of Joe Harris and signing trades and all these different things here and there, you know, getting rid of DeAndre, picks and all this sort of thing. I think all of those things – uh, the, the general premise of them 
uh, are pretty likely. Yeah, I think so, too. I think, you know, obviously, if they can get some value for Spencer doing a sign and trade, that's something they'll try to do. If there's a way to upgrade Joe Harris or turn him more into a need that could benefit this team in the postseason, something to look at. And also, I think getting off DeAndre while adding maybe an asset or two to get at least a player that you can play is something on the checklist, too. So, you know, like you said, Jack, all of these proposals have had some realism to them, I guess. I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, it just kind of like of something that could happen with some of these parts. It's like, oh, that trade was kind of close to what we talked about in in uh, July. Yeah, I'm sure Sean Marks is listening, taking down some notes, my dude. Now he he can, probably bookmarked he your tweet. Yeah, you could probably <laughs> understand my accent better than a lot of other listeners out there. Uh, but in saying that, we'll get to a couple more trades, Nick, because we still have plenty to get to. Uh, Jason from Brooklyn at JK from BK. Joey Shuttlesworth and 27 for Marvin Badley third and the number nine pick, although I'm not a fan of trading Joey, or a sign and trade for Dinwiddie for Marvin Bagley third. Nick, how do you want to attack these ones? Yeah, I mean, I'll just start with I'm not really a big fan of Marvin Bagley. Um, he hasn't really proven to be healthy in the NBA. He really lacks experience. It's not a guy that you necessarily see playing on a championship team. So I think right off the bat, that'd be something that I'd be a little wary of. I think the Nets are looking more so for experience. And kind of the same thing with the number nine pick. Unless the idea of getting the number nine pick and Marvin Bagley was to package them and send them in another deal. You know, that'd be something I look at. But I'm not really sure what Marvin Bagley truly brings to the Nets at this point, because it's really unknown who he is in the NBA, given, you know, how much time he's played. I think in his most recent stint, he was really good. But what's he going to be like when he comes back? How long is he going to stay on the floor? And obviously, defensively, he's pretty bad. Yeah, you look at, you know, the the NBA playoffs currently, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, and DeAndre Ayton, all having massive postseasons. Who else was in that draft? Marvin Bagley third, And that dude is... You know, on the the fringes of a Sacramento Kings team, that's saying something. And you know, I, I sort of see him in a similar mold to what Harry. Not, I think a, maybe a tier above this, but you know, Harry Giles, where the Portland Trailblazers took a flyer on him, you know, just to have as a rotation sort of player and just give him the talent. And Marlon Bagley has talent. I don't doubt that. You know, his athleticism is something that you know the Nets lack. So I think that's a point of difference that he would provide if he were to be a Brooklyn then. But I don't think that that makes up for you know his pretty poor defense and the, the general lack of game sense that I think that he has had. And, and I think a lot of that is the <clears throat> the product of being in a Sacramento Kings system under Luke Walton uh, as well. And you know his very nature of what position is he, you know, playing three for God's sakes in, in some realms. And then I think ultimately he is a five or a four, five tweener at the very least. So I think that, you know, while obviously uh, JK from BK isn't a fan of trading Joey, I understand that there are people who are high on Marvin Bagley, given the talent that he does have that number nine pick, you know, in the current draft, you know, it has some value, but I think that the, the 2021 draft drops off precipitously after around six in my eyes, at least from what I've been reading and the research that I've done a little bit. But the those assets, I guess, make sense because there's talent there with Bagley. Um, and look, if you're that down on Joey, the sign and trade didn't win for Martin Bagley the third. If that's the best you can get, cool, do it. Like, uh, I guess, and you know, we know that you know, Dispenser when he wants to go home and Sacramento is close enough to Los Angeles. Um, him and Darren Foxy, I think, would be a pretty cool fit together. So if that's what you can get, that's what you can get. I know probably 
Um, a lot of fans won't necessarily be happy about that and will be like, well, what about Morris? What about Abaka? What about Dorian Finney-Smith? Well, if you can get any asset in return for the sign and trade and it's Marvin Bagley the third, then so be it, I guess. Yeah, I also don't think uh, Port- um, Portland, uh, Sacramento would trade the number nine pick, and I'm not sure Spencer would have a ton of interest in playing in Sacramento and them attacking a guard with De'Aaron Fox popping off, Tyrese Halliburton being great, and they still have that Buddy Heald contract. So finding minutes, too, would be something for them to consider. So I'm not sure how realistic the trades are from the Sacramento side either. Sure. But this is, you know, the cross-conference sort of trading is where I see some likelihood. You know, Dallas, yep. San Antonio, um, Sacramento, because, you know, you, you're not making an... Uh, a, a conference team better, let alone a division team better, which is why, like, you know, you, the Sixers, the, the Raptors, you know, the, the Celtics and the Knicks, you know, there's less likelihood of those teams. And, you know, that's why, you know, the, I think the Ben Simmons Irving one as well um, may not have the, the juice that some of these other ones do have. We have a couple more, Nick, and this is from Offseason Cap at Cap THA based God. <laughs> he brings up, he, he wanted. Uh, he must have been listening to the last episode, even though he did come up with this trade before it. Um, but he is essentially a fan of getting offloading DeAndre Jordan, which I'm sure a lot of us are. Uh, and he has gotten our boy in return, a Larry Nance. So it's Larry Nance for DeAndre and our 2021 first, which is that 27 pick. 2020, uh, which is the number 27 pick, sorry. Um, it is uh, This is the home run that we all want, Nick. And um, hopefully Kobe Altman is stupid enough to do it, but somehow don't think that he, he is. Yeah, the Nets would definitely have to sweeten it. You know, obviously we talked about Chandler's trade, which was pretty similar, the 2021 first and then the 2028 first. So, you know, maybe they don't have to do two first. Maybe it's multiple seconds. Maybe it's Landry Shamit in the first. You know, I think this is a trade that you, like we mentioned on the last show, something you'd love to see just based off Larry Nance's fit, what he could provide this team, and possibly be, you know, that closing closing five in the lineup just because his skill set has really developed nicely in being a very, very good role player. So, uh, I wouldn't rule it out. You know, I, I'm just like we kind of talked about in the last show. It's just, does Cleveland really want to move on from Larry Nance, a guy that they like a lot? Larry Nance likes Cleveland a lot for many different reasons. So um, I'd love it. It'd be a great trade. I think there is some realistic, you know, opportunities for the Nets to pursue Larry Nance. It's just more so depending on what Cleveland wants to do. What do you think's more likely to happen, I guess, Nick, in terms of, you know, we heard the Kenrich Williams deal be brought up for DeAndre Jordan and 27 pick. And then we've got this one here for, for Larry Nance. I don't know if there is a, a prototype of player that's in between, you know, Kenrich Williams and Larry Nance. But I think that that's the likelihood to happen. But if you sort of gun to your head, is Larry Nance more likely to be a Brooklyn Nets or is Kenrich Williams more likely to be a Brooklyn Nets? You know, I'll say Larry Nance just because Kenrick Williams, we're not really sure if he's even on the Nets' radar in any way. You know what I mean? Like, is he a guy that they really think is going to help them win a championship or take that next level? I'm not really sure. You know, like we kind of talked about, there is some promise to his game. But Larry Nance is more proven and more of a target for the Nets and kind of makes sense for some other reason. So I think Larry Nance is more realistic. Obviously, it would take more to trade for, and it's more dependent on his team, where OKC probably is more willing to trade Williams because he's not likely to be included in their future plans. That's true. That's true. And, and Nick, we've got one more here from at Paul Tweets Too Much, point guard enthusiast. Um, he's thinking about the, the MAGA guard, Jonathan Isaac. Um, <laughs> or Isaac, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to say it. There's two A's in there. But um, obviously, he is recovering from a knee injury. And he proposed Joe Harris, a second rounder, and a couple of firsts uh, for Jonathan Isaac, who is 
obviously an incredible defensive player uh, and a pretty amazing front court player in terms of his fit uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. I like the the outside the box thinking here, and I think an, an Orlando trade is something that could happen as well. You know, the amount of rumors that we saw about Aaron Gordon to the Brooklyn Nets uh, almost made my head spin. But what do you think of this? I guess um, from Joe. Yeah, I think I love the uh, trade if the Nets can land Jonathan Isaac. I'm just not sure if Orlando is looking to do that. They don't necessarily have a ton of, you know, potential with their roster. Jonathan Isaac is one of those guys that probably has borderline star potential. If not, you know, all defensive team potential. If he can get healthy, you know, he suffered some knee injuries. But I think his fit on the Nets would be immense. You know, it'd probably be as good a fit you could really add if he's 100% healthy. I think... If you are making this trade, you probably have to include Nick Claxton because they need some other type of youth type potential, which I think you might be more willing to do given Jonathan Isaac isn't old. You know, he's a guy that can still develop and really turn into a really, really good player. And funny enough, his draft comp was like best, 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 best case scenario was like Kevin Durant because of some of the skill that he had in his game. Obviously, he hasn't been anything close to that, but it is an interesting thing to consider. It is. And look, I'm... We sort of talk about, you know, the personality sort of stuff side of it, and I'm not a big fan of of Isaac in in that regard. But in terms of what he produces on the basketball court, he is a a goddamn monster. Um, And and in terms of the the defensive acumen that he has, he is all defensive caliber and will be all defensive caliber for the rest of his career. And in in a Brooklyn Nets system where he's not going to be asked to do much offensively, you know, you can make a pretty credible argument that you'd rather have him than Ben Simmons because... Ben Simmons wants to have the ball in his hands, even though he can do bugger all with it in his hands. Whereas Jonathan Isaac is just like, you know what? I'll just be a goddamn monster. I'll get some steals. I'll get some blocks. I'll lock down whoever it is you want uh, for me night after night. Um, And he's on a a decent enough deal as well, obviously similar to uh, what Joe Harris is on um, as well around that sort of $18, $19 million range. Um, And I think he's only going to get better offensively. So basketball fit-wise, this one is... It is awesome, but I don't see it happening. Um, though, you know, again, the crux of the deal, Joe Harris and some picks and such, you know, what does that get you? You know, uh, Jonathan Isaac is certainly a, a very intriguing fit. Yeah, 100%. I think Jonathan Isaac is really like an ideal fit, fully healthy, like I mentioned. It's just more so, why would Orlando trade away a guy who's going to be 24 years old in October and has probably the most potential on the roster. You know what I mean? You really have to convince them. Or maybe it's, you know, the Magna thing is giving them a problem behind the scenes and they want to trade him and he's not getting along with other players. I don't know. But I, he's funny enough, I'm looking at his b-ball reference profile. He's from the Bronx. So he's from New York. That adds a little pop right there. Um, and also, you kind of mentioned the Ben Simmons thing. I think Jonathan Isaac gives you a more vern protection, you know, and that's something that could be really valuable, especially with the likes of Kevin Durant being on the floor along his side. That that really give you something. So Jonathan Isaac would be amazing, just more so. I don't necessarily see Orlando do it, but I wouldn't rule it out as completely unlikely. No, there's a, a lot of trades here that you know people smarter than us have been able to come up with that it's just like man that does intrigue me and you know the names that were that have been brought up along the way you know you know jeremy grant and you know kenrich williams all these sort of guys that we wouldn't even dream to think of because you know we're not the well i know i'm not the smartest of, of minds when it comes to thinking outside the box but you know thankfully we have some pretty goddamn adept listeners when it comes to this sort of stuff and nick i guess i'll ask you in terms of you know, some of your favorite proposals that have been brought to us, um, some ones that you think uh, have a likelihood of happening. Uh, what ones stick out to you? You know, all the realistic ones. Now, um, 
like anyone that really checks the box for the Nets and gives them someone that they can close with, you know, a real player that can be added to this team and you're getting somewhat fair value and it's somewhat realistic in the player that's being sent out. You know, the Larry Nance stuff, if you're sending multiple picks along with DeAndre and possibly Landry Shamid, you're looking at Spencer Dinwiddie for Dory Finney-Smith. I think that's something that's, you know, you'd like to consider as well. Like you mentioned, some of the ones with the Lakers and the Clippers, even though you're helping a contender. I think there's a good chunk of these trades that are really intriguing in what they can provide. I think it's always hard to kind of anticipate what the trade market's going to be like, how aggressive our teams, our teams trying to hold on, just go into next season, given they're not sure if this last year was exactly what they expected with the condensed season and all the injuries we had. So um, I would just, you know, like the Spencer Dinwiddie signing trades are probably some of my favorite ones because I think they're they're likely to happen. You know, I think at this point, it's probably like 60-40 Spencer's going to do a sign-and-trade, just given, like, you mentioned that rumor that we saw, I think, over this weekend that he really wants to go to the Clippers or the Lakers. Yeah, I think that that's maybe even 70-30 or 80-20 yeah. in a lot of regards. But in terms of, you know, like the one that I think that a lot of people – you know, it probably enjoyed us speaking about the the Miles Turner trade. You know, yeah. I'm not sure if we ranked the likelihood of that. Um, you know, with Joe Harris, and we might have to get Corey on uh, for a future pod to discuss it as well of, of full access paces. In terms of a likelihood of whether it's the Miles Turner trade happening or whether it's Joe Harris himself being used in some sort of package that we've sort of discussed, Nick. You know, where do you rank that in terms of your sort of percentages that you love to throw out there? Yeah, I think that's, you know, it's hard to put a percentage on a trade because I think obviously there's always a slim chance unless you have a situation where James Harden's demanding a trade to the Nets. That's where you can kind of give a better percentage. I think maybe there's like a, a 5 to 10% chance. You know, I think, you know, other teams might be willing to offer more for Miles Turner. There might be another player that fits the need of the Pacers a little bit more or they're just willing to send a better offer because they really like Miles Turner. Or maybe, you know, the Nets aren't that interested in him because some of the cons that we talked about in his game. That's it. There's plenty of wiggle room, and despite the fact that the the Nets are limited in what they can do in terms of trades and such, you know the the listeners that we have and the proposals that we do have aren't limited in their imagination and yeah. uh, and creativity. So very thankful for all the the proposals, and we'll be doing some more free agency and off season stuff. So uh, some mailbag. So we'll, we'll love to to get more. More of your thoughts uh, going forward because sometimes um, I'm certainly not smart enough to think of this sort of really cool stuff that's just, you know, a, a bit out there. So, yeah, a, a really, really fun thought exercise to go through all of these different proposals. And thanks for everyone to, uh, who responded. Yeah, 100%. I really love the trade proposals, like you said, Jack. Kind of provides you a different perspective, kind of forces you to think a little bit different because, you know, you just, like you said, that doesn't necessarily pop to everyone's mind. So, doing free agency offseason, like you said. Maybe we can squeeze in another trade show sometime before free agency or the draft. We'll see how everything kind of lays out. But, Jack, always a pleasure, and big thanks, everybody, for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.